the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thank you for joining us today for On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rhody Fisher. As a Christian mom for over 40 years and a teacher of the Bible in public schools for 25 years, Rhody will take you on a journey with some of her friends as they share their experiences and testimonies from their walk with Christ. You'll see that you are not alone in your search for God, your victories with Him, or your failures. Welcome to On the Road with Jesus. Now, here's your host, Rhody Fisher. Good morning, listeners, and thank you for joining us on the road with Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for being here. We ask that you would lead us and guide us today. Be with my guest and um, everyone that's here, especially be with our words. And Father, that you would guide the listeners as to what to, what they hear as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening for joining us today. We are in Psalm 101 today, and I'm reading out of the NIV for those of you that want to follow me in this, and it, and it goes like this in Psalm 101, verse 1. I will sing of your love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will sing praise. I, I will be careful to lead a blameless life. When will you come in to me? I will walk in my house with a blameless heart. I will set before my eyes no vile thing. The deeds of faithless men I hate. They will not cling to me. Men of perverse heart shall be far from me. I will have nothing to do with evil. Whoever slanders his neighbor in secret, him will I put to silence. Whoever has haughty eyes and a proud heart, I will not endure. My eyes will be on the faithful in the land, that they may dwell with me. He whose walk is blameless will minister to me. No one who practices deceit will dwell in my house. No one speaks falsely and will stand in my presence. Every morning I will put to silence all the wicked in the land. I will cut off every evildoer from the city of the Lord. Well, thank you, Lord, for your word and give us understanding of your word. I love that scripture. And um, it reminds us that we really need to try our hardest to lead that blameless, sinful life. And when we do fall, God is always there to pick us up. And always there to forgive us. Anyway, I would love to interview um, our special guest today. Her name is Christina. She has a Muslim background and has been a believer in Jesus now for about seven years. She has her own YouTube channel, uh, whereupon she actually disciples people, I, I guess online. Yeah. Um, 
Welcome, Christina, to On the Road with Jesus. Thank you for having me today. You're welcome. I I really would like for you to share with the listeners your background as to how you grew up and um, whatever you want to share about your background. Okay, so uh, I'm a Kuwaiti, um, and I grew up in Kuwait. I come from a family that's half Sunni and half Shi'i, so um, um, I'm familiar with both sides of Islam. Um, Okay, I'm going to stop you just right there, because there's a lot of listeners that are unfamiliar with Islam at all. So explain those two words you use, Sunni and and Shiite, because I think the listeners, the novice might not know what that means. So... Islam has two famous brands, like uh, Sunni Islam, which means that they, the Sunni Muslims are majority. They follow the Quran and they follow the Sunnah Nabawiyah, which is uh, the, the acts of uh, the Prophet Muhammad. And uh, for Shia, they follow that plus the, uh, the stories of Al-Bayt. They are the family or the ascendants of Muhammad the Prophet, uh, like uh, Ali, Imam Ali, uh, and uh, uh, Imam Al-Hussein, and all the 12 uh, Imams after that, mm-hmm. and waiting for Al-Mahdi to come back as a savior in the end of the times. Okay, so you were familiar with both sides, and you grew up in a home that um, really were very familiar with both. Yes. Okay, so get back to your upbringing. A little bit about your childhood and and what Islam meant to you. So Islam is like your identity. Uh, it's like being a Kuwaiti. It's like speaking Arabic. It's it's just who you are. There's no other option. You don't even have the free choice because we believe in qada or qadar, which means destiny. So this is your destiny, and uh, you have the best destiny to be born speaking Arabic and to be born as. Um, uh, Middle Eastern, because you have the best religion ever, and everybody else is going to hell. So mm-hmm. uh, it was a privilege, let's say. We thought this way, and they teach us this in school as a fact, as a matter of fact. Like, if they teach you that one plus one equal two, you will not question that as a kid. You will take it as a fact, and this is the same thing. They used to teach us Islam. They still do teach Islam in school as a fact, matter of fact. Wow, and so that was that was who you, your who your identity was. Yeah, and um, I I know you told me a story earlier about actually going to the um, okay. to Mecca at six years old. Yeah, tell me a little bit about that experience and and or tell the listeners about that experience. So uh, back in the nineties, uh, my family decided to go to Beit Allah. We call it. Allah, which means the house of God. And as I was six years old and I thought I'm going to meet God there. So we were so excited and and we uh, drove from Kuwait to Mecca, which is in Saudi Arabia, uh, the whole family. And once we entered the holy uh, haram, the holy mosque or the temple, um, everybody was so excited. They start praying to the Kaaba. They start uh, spinning around the Kaaba seven times. We call it Tawaf. 
And as a six years old kid, I didn't really understand all of these rituals. I just want one thing. I want God. I want to talk to God personally. So I was trying to reach for the door. It's golden door. And it's like two, um, two meters high. So I was really um, uh, short. And um, there was a security guy, Saudi security guy. And he, he was playing with me as a kid. And he said, oh, I will pull you up. And he did pull me up to the to the gate of uh, cabana and I, when i was there i was you know in in the in front of the gate of allah god i was like so excited so i start knocking with my tiny hand on this golden huge gate and say god open the door i want to talk to you it's me and everybody was stunned and they were looking at me they stopped spinning literally they were like what this girl is doing, pull her down, you know. So my mother was really angry at me, and she she said, oh, you made a scandal in front of everybody. Why did you do this? And I said, I just wanted to talk to God as an innocent kid. And she said, how come you want to talk to God? I said, this is the house of God, and I'm knocking the door to, to meet God. She said, but he's not inside the Kaaba. Wow. And I was like, what? He's not inside the cabin. Then what's inside the cabin? She said, nothing is inside the cabin. It's empty. And I said, it's just an empty room? She said, yes. And I said, then, then why are you spinning around it? And why are you praying to it? And why do you think it's so holy? I don't get the point. You said this is the house of God. Where is God? And she said, oh, you don't understand. You will understand when you grow up. And I did. <laughs> when I met Jesus. Oh. Okay, so the, what a beautiful story. So you really w- were expecting to speak to him, see him, at least have a conversation. Yeah. Um, and at six years old, and I love that scripture, and I mentioned it to you earlier, that the Bible says, if you seek me, you will find me. Yeah. And you said you did. Wow, what a great story. So l- tell the audience a little bit more about... Um, going to the mosque um, on Friday and and praying um, five times a day and and maybe a little bit of what you were expected to do as a Muslim and how you completed that, how, how close you got to um, completing some of those things that you do as a Muslim. Now you've gone to, um, to Mecca, so that's like the number one thing that every Muslim wants to do. And so... Praying five times a day, were you doing that? Well, uh, I went to Mecca, I went to Medina, I went to the grave of the uh, Prophet Muhammad. I went to um, Karbala and Najaf, which is also uh, holy places in the south of Iraq. Um, Going to the mosque, every prayer for women, Muslim women, is not very common. It's usually more common to men. Mm -hmm. So we don't have to go to the mosque every time. Uh, because women are better to be at home, mm-hmm. so uh, we use we used to pray at home mostly, not in the mosque unless it's a special mosque like uh, in Mecca or Najaf, Karbala, Mashhad, um, lots of other places like also in Egypt they have uh, holy places in uh, in Damascus, I believe. So, as a good Muslim girl, were you praying five times a day or trying to pray five times a day? Were you at least doing some of those things that... Um, yeah, fasting. Fasting, yes, Yes, Ramadan. of course. 
I, I was praying and I was fasting, but I didn't see the point and I didn't understand why are we repeating the same words over and over again to God. So sometimes I skipped it and I really hated it because they used to punish me. My family used to punish me if I didn't really pray. And they used to tell me, where will you hide from God? He will get you to hell and you will go to hell. When I was seven years old, my, my family used to tell me, you will go to hell because you're not praying enough. And I said, but I don't feel like praying. I want to play, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, as a kid. So, and they, um, they forced me to wear hijab at that point in Mecca. When you enter the, the mosque, you have to wear hijab as a six years old kid. And Imam came to my family and said, how come your daughter is naked? I was six years old wearing just a dress without hijab. And that to him is nakedness. So... It was really uh, tough. And when I was a teenager, for example, if I want to get a good grade in high school, mm -hmm. I used to say, oh, God, if you gave me a good grade, I will stop listening to music for a whole week. You know, because uh, listening to music is a sin. And I, and I used to love music. I still do love music. Um, so it was really a hard relationship with God. He, he ne he's never pleased. He's never pleased. But because I was really sincere, I really wanted to please him in any way, in every way that I can. Um, and I remember when I was 10 years old, of course, we study Islam in school since we are five till, the, till you're in college. You study Islam all the time. Um, and it's a must. Like, it's not, it's not a choice. You have to. And I used to take... Like, I, I, I used to, to get straight A's in Islamic classes. And at 10 years old, they, they taught us about the other prophets in Quran, like Moses, um, uh, Solomon, uh, David, uh, Jesus, Isa, and, you know, all the stories. So every day, every class, I mean, they used to teach us about different uh, prophets other than Muhammad. So I used to think we have the choice to choose like which one you like better and you're going to follow that uh, prophet. I loved Isa because he had performed lots of miracles and to a 10 years old, I had lots of uh, imagination and like, I want him to perform some miracles for me as well. And I, and I talked to my Islamic teacher and I said, uh, if, if we have the choice, can I choose which prophet uh, should I follow? And she said, you want to you wanna follow a prophet? I said, yeah, I want to follow Isa. I like him. Can he perform a miracle for me? Because he said he didn't die. And uh, she said, oh, you mean you want to be Christian? I said, yes. Uh, so if I follow Isa, I, that, the name is Christian. She said, oh, you can't be Christian anymore. It's, you're too late. And I said, why? She said, because Christianity is expired. <laughs> really? Yeah. I've never heard that. It is expired, like, since, I don't know, since Muhammad came, maybe. I don't know. So I said, so how can I meet him? I want him to perform uh, miracles for me, and I know that he's alive. He said that he's alive still. She said, oh, if to, to, to see him, you have to go to heaven. And to go to heaven, you have to follow Muhammad, the prophet. So if you follow Muhammad, the prophet, you will see all the prophets in heaven. I said, okay, so... There's no other choice? She said, no, there's no other choice. This is the only choice for now. Other way, uh, otherwise, you're going to go to hell. So this is when I decided to wear hijab and to become more, more religious and really fast and really pray for God five times. Wow. 
Now, tell us a little bit about going from a very religious Muslim, um, wearing your hijab and, and saying your prayers, and really wanting to go to heaven to meet all the prophets. Jenna. Um, yes, Jenna. Um, what, what changed in your life that you actually... Well, give us a journey as to what you what happened after that, because I do know that you got involved with um, other, let's just call it pagan religions, before you came to Christ. Yeah. So give us that journey. So because I, I, I lived in Sunni and Shia family, I wanted to know which one is more correct, because this is the only choice I have. Obviously, I can't choose any other religion. Um, so I was reading about uh, the coming of Al-Mahdi, um, and he's the Savior who will come in the end of the days. And uh, that Isa will come with him, but he will be um, after him. Like, Al-Mahdi is better than Isa, uh, according to Shia beliefs. Uh, so I used to read every uh, time in school uh, when we have a break. Usually, girls, they want to hang out or go to have something to eat. I used to go to the library and just read about the end of the days, or Alamat Yom Al-Qiyamah. And I read about um, Al-Mahdi when he comes, and Isa when he comes back, and Masih when he comes back, and what will happen. And I was so scared of, of the last days because it's like a horror movie, if you read about it. And... When I when I be, when I grew up a little bit more, of course I, I started wearing hijab at seventeen by my own will. I was even more religious than my family. Um, I used to go to Husseinia, which is the Shia mosques, uh, to remember uh, what happened to the ascendants of Muhammad. We used to cry about it. I used to be very depressed in Muharram and Safar. If you know what that means, there are two months of the year. Now we are in in, in Safar. Now when we are in Safar, we are not allowed to dress any other, any color other than black. We have to be sad. We have to shut off the TV and not listen to music and not to make any wedding or birthdays or anything that shows happiness. And uh, not only that, but usually men, uh, they do takbir, which is like they hurt themselves until they bleed. And they do this even to uh, young babies. Uh, they let them bleed because they think this blood will uh, take their sins away. I, I couldn't do it as a woman, uh, but lots of other people were doing it every uh, season of Ashura. Uh, but it made me even more and more depressed up to a point where I really wanted to suicide at that point when I was in my um, twenty years old. Uh, I was in college. So sh should I go on? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Sorry. Mm -hmm. So I had a near-death experience after that. And I had an accident um, in Lebanon. And uh, I, 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 I met death face to face. So when I was dying, literally, I felt like I'm in a, a dot in the huge universe, and I'm being sucked in a long tunnel that's going somewhere, and I have no um, power to stop it or to do anything. And I, I wasn't really in my body. I was just a small dot 
in the whole huge universe. And when I when they in the hospital tried to bring me back to life and you know they saved me from that, I start thinking like what just happened, I never read about this in Islamic books. Because I read everything about death and end of the days, both Shia and Sunni uh, books. There's nothing like that in the book. And where are Munkarunakir? If you know Munkarunakir, they are like the two dark angels who question you about your faith and who's your prophet. I didn't see that. And I was thinking, oh, I missed a couple of prayers in my life. I should be, uh, I should meet the Shaja al-Aqra, which is a huge snake that should, you know, break my... Um, my my body break my bones i didn't see any of that it was really a phobia that i had from death a phobia that i had from god a phobia that i had from the end of the days and i didn't see any of that it's so different and i start question everything so i start calling myself muslim slash spiritual Okay, so because of your near-death experience and you not experiencing anything that, as a Muslim, you expected to happen Mm -hmm. because you were taught that the two angels would come and question you and weigh out your good and your bad. Did you do this and did you do that? And the snake. And say, and the snake, and see which side was more, the sinful side or the good side, so that you it would determine whether you'd make it to heaven. So... As you were going through this near-death experience, you didn't see that. So now you begin to question what's right. Yeah. And and you called yourself a what at that time? A spiritual? I, I call myself Muslim still, but I had this void, spiritual void in me I really wanted to fulfill. So I started reading about spirituality, about angels, about uh, um, astrology. I became one of the most famous astrologers in Kuwait. Um, I was uh, an energy healer. Uh, I did pranic healing, um, quantum jumping, uh, chakra healing, everything that you can imagine in the new age. Now we call it new age. I didn't call it new age back then. I thought it's just science. I thought I'm smarter than God. I thought that I can attract anything that I want because I read the book of The Secret. Of course, everybody knows The Secret. It's like the Bible for the new agers nowadays. I used to give it to people, random people. Like it's like I'm preaching to them, my my new religion, and I thought that I'm in control of everything and I'm the center of universe, which made me a narcissist. Really, a narcissist because I needed to be in love with myself, so the universe obeys me. So I was my own god. It sounds demonic. But actually, this is very trendy, even in America. Right. I, I, I know that. Yeah. Wow. So how do you make the transition? I mean, you're, you're in this, let's call it a pagan um, spiritual religion. Yeah. Um, you still are considered thinking of yourself as a Muslim. Yes. But you've added to your Muslim faith. Mm-hmm. What, how do you take that jump, that leap of faith into Christianity? What? What gives you the idea that you should accept Jesus as your savior? So uh, I didn't think of Jesus at all. I thought that all religions are the same. And uh, as um, a new ager, I used to think that I decide what's right and what's wrong. I'm the source. And there is a God, of course, but I decide and I take control of of my life. Uh, So 
um, in, 20, in 2015, uh, I lost a job that I really loved and I really uh, attracted it. Uh, the job was a TV show called Red Carpet. Uh, if you're Kuwaiti, you must know it. I was the producer for it, and it was very, very successful at that time. It was all over the Middle East, and we lost the job for no reason. It has nothing to do with me or the crew. It's just something that has to do with the channel. They stopped the show, and I was really angry. Like, I did everything right. I worked hard. And I attracted everything. The energy was perfect. So how did I lose it? And then I was, you know, because when you lose job, you have plenty of time. <laughs> so I was thinking God must be not just. He, he was really bad in my eye um, because uh, he, why would he do that to me when I did everything right? Of course, I didn't think that I, I never asked him, actually. I did everything on my own. Um, but I started mocking God and hating God. And I became more like an atheist or, let's say, I hated him, you know. So I know he's there, but I hated him. And I, st I, I start claiming that he doesn't exist. So I start watching everything uh, in YouTube that mocks God and laugh hard because I was really angry. I had this grudges against him that he didn't obey me. That's the end of part one. Tune in next week for part two of this On the Road with Jesus episode. Thank you for being here today for On the Road with Jesus with your host, Rody Fisher. Every week, you'll hear experiences and testimonies from her and her friends as they share their journey with Jesus. You'll see that you're not alone in your search for God, your victories with him, or your failures. If you have a question about today's show, email Rody Fisher at rawfisher at ontheroadwithjesus.com, spelled R-A-H, Fisher, at ontheroadewithjesus.com, or leave a voicemail at 951-817-0094. That's 951-817-0094. On the Road with Jesus is sponsored by Global Expressions Language Project, Learn more at asquaredlamps.org. That's the letter A, squaredlamps.org. Be sure to join us each week at this same time for more On the Road with Jesus, hosted by Rody Fisher. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.